I always used to give Owen Sheehan a good bit of grief for his power rankings. They aren't easy, Will. As a group, as players, we have not done one minute of video analysis of any team this year. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Keith Wood is with us. Keith, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Nice quiet week uh, in rugby. We don't we don't get yeah. this very often. We certainly don't get one, but when two come along like uh, like Dublin buses, it's amazing. Yeah, pretty um pretty crazy on the back of the autumn international seeing two international coaches go going down the Swanee. Um yeah, it's been pretty uh, pretty crazy actually. But Brian Ashton kicked out after a, a November Internationals. Is that my, it's in my head for some reason? I can't actually remember now off the top of my head. But it, like the November Internationals are supposed to not be that important in the grand scheme of things. Like you don't play for a trophy, you don't really get any prize money. It's the games happen, and they're supposed to be like an opportunity for us all to measure ourselves against the the best from the other hemisphere. But now it's costing people their jobs. Yeah, I was trying to think my way through that um, over the last over the last couple of weeks because I think we 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 called um, pretty much both of these a couple of weeks ago because of the pressure that the teams were under. Um, but I think you have to take uh, there may you may not be playing for for a title, but um, I think it comes down to the idea that the fans and the sort of contract with the fans is that you perform at your best and you try and win all the time and. From England's perspective in particular, every single time Eddie Jones came out, he said, well, look, we're preparing for the World Cup. And it almost felt as if he was obsessed with that idea that it was that overall else. But it's that's only once every four years. And um, I will say from an IRFU perspective that Ireland has consistently said we have to win every game that we go and play. Now, they don't always win it, but they try and they tend not to take too many things for 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 granted. Um, I felt the booing uh, coming off uh, after the last game, um, and I thought Eddie Jones' reaction to that he he just didn't gauge that sense of uh, of feeling that was out there that this wasn't good enough, and the idea was that he said that he didn't care what people thought. Um, well, he probably cares now, I think, and and. You know, I think sometimes you can be so isolated in in that bubble, in that you're that you're not taking a, a full view of the sentiment that happens around. And look, the reality of sports sports a very unusual business. It's a, it's a kind of crazy business that may or may not make money. Um, it's incredibly hard to make money with it, but its shareholders are fans that pay. Um, a bit of money to turn up and see uh, um, people perform all the time. And if they don't, they get the chance to make their voices heard. So, look, I think it's a really strange moment in time. There was a huge amount of criticism in the last couple of weeks about the lack of entertainment at the English games, about the fact that people were having to pay 140, 45 quid to go to a match that that is a lot of money and it is a lot of money and that what was being shown on the uh, on the pitch was just not what people were actually willing to pay for. So so he's gone. And like I have to say, gone 10 months out is very unusual. Um, I think um, 
it feels as if he may have lost some of the players, but I don't really know. And I haven't spoken to any of the players. We're kind of speculating from, from the outside in. Um, I will say that from watching rugby for pretty much all my life and watching uh, Eddie, and I don't know him. I've met him a couple of times, but I don't know him really. Um, Eddie, for the first two years in every single job he has, has had unbelievable success. But the sustainability of that over a longer period of time is where he seems to have come a cropper. So um, uh, I think his chance and his opportunity was to win in the World Cup in 2019. Um, I was at those two games, the semi-final and the final that they, they won and lost. Um, they played beyond the best I've ever seen England play in a semi-final. Um, and then they got blown away in the final. And I think he had put all his eggs pretty much in that basket and he's had to try and figure out how to do it for the last four years. Um, and he's had some success in the four years, but in this last year, um, a lot of what he's been saying sounded a little bit hollow. Uh, Keith Clive Woodward has had plenty to say on, on uh, Jones in recent weeks um, and during his tenure. Um, like He made the point that you know, he maybe loses focus on the game by game uh, and has the big picture thoughts ahead of the World Cup. Is there an argument in there somewhere that maybe he's too focused on, on the big picture? Oh, I think so. I think that's a very, I think that's a very valid, um, a very valid element. And I remember having a conversation with Philip Brown a long time ago, who was chief executive of the IRFU, and he's, and his view was the bread and butter is the Six Nations. It's what funds pretty much everything. And you have to concentrate on that. And the further up you are there, the better it is. And it is the bedrock of all the financials for the game in Ireland. And yes, you do want to be at the the top table of uh, always, but you can't sacrifice it. So there's a balancing act that has to happen there. And I do think that that's that's fair. I mean, Eddie was incredibly successful with England. And like I'll go back and, and say that game, England against Ireland in Twickenham, which was a very... Um, or even the one in Dublin the year afterwards, sorry, the one in Dublin um, where England turned up and just blew Ireland away. I think that was 2018, maybe 19. Um, Again, that was a performance that was with a a fairly set team that were on the top of the ground. Um, He has chopped and changed relentlessly since, you know, and we would say, and we've discussed this always, that consistency is key in selection. There's been no consistency in his selection. So the amount of players that have been tried and discarded. So look, I think, I think there's a lot of people would be, would be fans of his. And there's a lot of people that uh, may not have had the chance to almost be fans of his as players. You know, I think there's a lot of guys were brought in and went very, very quickly. I think it's a, <clears throat> like we enjoyed the caricature of him and his dealings with the press on the show. So uh, it's going to sound hypocritical, but I, I, I do think that it's actually a, a more complex character than that. The, the accusations that came out about how he managed his staff and how difficult it was to be somebody on his team were never properly refuted. They, they never presented a case that said, no, that's, that's all nonsense. That's just somebody who's disaffected. Because there was so many people who found that it was difficult to work with, that his, his manner was too abrupt, that, that the interpersonal relationships with the people who were carrying out the day-to-day that makes his role successful weren't enjoying it and didn't feel like they were cared for. It's interesting that um, people talking about Bortwick this morning 
are talking about the fact that you know he's he's driven, he's um, he wants to win, but he he genuinely cares about you. And it's like, well, this is chalk and cheese. It's the stereotypical overreaction. We're going to go for the person who's kind and soft and also has all those other attributes. But to to get back to to Eddie Jones, like at the same time. He's built this massive squad of players who have been exposed at some level to what his demands are. And by the time the World Cup rolls round, irrespective almost of the injury profile, there are going to be a lot of players who are available for England who've had some taste of international rugby. Borthwick's going to get the benefit of that. And all of a sudden, I do think that there'll be a a new coach bounce, a bit of freedom from that oppression, and that actually they're going to be very, very dangerous next year in the World Cup now. I think they will be dangerous. I think England have an incredibly good draw. Um, and because of that, and they also have a history of playing really well in big competitions. So, uh, and especially in World Cups. And because of that, you would expect them to have a big bounce. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with the fact that a lot of players have been exposed to international rugby um, and that, you know, they get the benefit of that. If you're dropped in and play and then don't play again for 10 or 20 tests, that's not of a benefit. That's more destabilizing almost, you know, and I, I, I think in his rush to be successful, I think he has been a little bit loose with, with his selection policy and players have been picked, um, Without maybe having played enough rugby to have been picked, and and it's when that when that works out, it's fantastic because you look like a visionary. But um, look, I think there's a very emotional component to sport, and I think it is high performance. And you can't you you can't suddenly say that there is 200 players that are good enough to play for England at high performance level. I don't think that that's appropriate, actually. And Yes, you can say that you can only really find that out if you test them in it. Um, but that's where a good coach is. He makes the right call at the right time and you have to earn the right to play. And I think that that becomes part of it as well. Look, I think it's very complex. I also think there's been a really interesting um, uh, shift on an entirely different sport in the last week. And I don't know whether you watched any of the uh, the cricket in Raul Pindi Um but Ben Stokes is the English captain, and uh, Brendan McCullum as the that you know the New, Ze- New Zealand coach that in has given their team a freedom to take the risk and fear losing and having no opprobrium going with it if they lost. Um, and there's a level of swashbuckling that hasn't been seen, you know. And um, uh, Michael Atherton wrote whether this was the day that. This cricket changed forever, which is a really interesting thing to write in the week of a game. Um, and you're holding that up as a mirror to say that England were a bit stayed for a while in cricket and now they're suddenly playing with a, a flair that has not been seen before. And I think that in some respects, there's an element of this. Is there any way of getting a bit of that freedom into the thinking of English rugby? And I think, now I don't know that Borthwick is that necessarily but um, but that is a proper change that's happening already. But I would still expect Borthwick to get a a fairly good visionary coach to work with him. He needs somebody to challenge him as well, um, and to make him. You know, he's done an incredible job with Leicester. But it's whether there will be that big, huge shift that a lot of people are looking for, and it's quite interesting. But I think for the most part, people would like if not. And maybe on this side of the pond, but on the far side, they'd want England to start winning again. And yeah. um, having lost a lot of matches this year, 
you know, the knives are out. Suddenly the Six Nations takes on a wholly different bent. It's not just preparation for the World Cup. Borthwick needs some wins early. Warren Gatland needs to show some sign of improvement immediately in the door. Now, obviously, he knows exactly what he's walking into and seems to have negotiated some form of long-term involvement in the grassroots re-evaluation of the sport. Maybe that's just hype. and Maybe he's just there for the next 10, 12, 14 months, whatever, and then he, he rides off again. I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see what the long-term is. In the short term, going back to Gatland is a very interesting decision by Wales. What did you make of it? Well, I thought it was the right decision. And again, we spoke, we spoke about this last week. I thought that was the right decision for Wales and maybe for, for Gatland. Um, not everything has gone his way since he finished with Wales. Um, they know him and he knows them. He has managed to get more out of Welsh rugby players over the last 10 or 15 years than could be thought possible with the performances that they've had in the European Cup. Um, or in the, the Celtic League. So um, I thought he was the right man to come in to do that. And I don't know that that's such a huge change. I think there's a huge comfort blanket for everybody from the administrators down to the players to say that, okay, we have a guy that has led and succeeded with us before and he is the guy that they can rely on to do it again. And look, I think he'll, in a short period of time, get the players onto a mindset where there's no doubt. And that's something that he does do very well. And if that happens, I think it'll get rid of a lot of some of the the sort of flakiness that's happened in Wales in the last period of time. So I think it's very tough on Pivac. I don't think he got a chance. And um, Shane mentioned Clive Woodward earlier on. Um, Clive failed a lot before he won the, the the World Cup. And sometimes it depends on whether people get an opportunity and a chance to kind of go and do things. So Pivac hasn't. Um, and they've gone back to tried and trusted. But I, I also think that there is not a sense of panic necessarily, but a sense of pragmatism that's involved in the Welsh Rugby Union. They're, the game is hemorrhaging money. And they need something to hang their hat on. Who better than the guy who um, was at the head of four Grand Slams? Keith, uh, Sam Warburton was making the point, I think it was in the papers yesterday, and look, hindsight's great, but he was basically saying that England maybe missed a trick by not going for Gatland themselves. Like, Could Sweeney and co have maybe pulled the trigger a little bit earlier on Jones to get to get in there ahead of Wales, or is that just nonsense? Yeah, I didn't. I don't think it's nonsense, but I didn't see it happening. Um, I thought, I thought the fit for Wales, for comfort, for pragmatism, for um, an acceleration to happen to the World Cup. Um, again, Wales are on a decent side of the draw. Um, uh, I, I would have thought that it, it was easier for Gatland to go in there than to have to deal with. You know, some of the criticisms he'd have had about the English players and English things over the last period of time. And, you know, there's a far more of a uphill battle to go with England than there, than there is with Wales. So I think it's a good fit for him in Wales. In England, I was like, I was, I was really interested to see that it was Richard Cockerell was there as an interim, but that was the first noise that came out. And then you realize afterwards, well, actually they are going for Borthwick and they're going to try and sort that out straight away. Um, because I thought they were looking at something only for a short period of time and, and it needs to be a longer period of time. So um, 
No, I didn't. I, I just didn't see that happening, actually. I didn't see the uh, Gatlin going to England as as the option. I just thought it was a better fit with him in Wales. Will Gatlin be successful? Does he also need a very beefed up coaching ticket as well? Um, well, I think he will be looking for... I think he'll be looking for an additional spark. Um, one of the main sparks for him has been Sean Edwards. And when he was successful in, in most of the places that he was, Edwards was with him or Farrell with the Lions. Um, he's not going to have either of those. So he will need somebody else with him, I think. Um, but Wales are kind of on their, on their knees a bit at the moment. And uh, look, a guy who can fight his corner and get the team on one, um, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a fully focused style. That's what Warren knows. So he'll do it. And, uh, I think they'll be, I think they'll be very tricky to play against first out in the Six Nations for Ireland. Um, no, I think, I think Ireland's game is more mature and is able to dismantle different teams at different times, but that's reliant on us having a, a full squad to be able to do it. So, um, and as we've watched uh, over the last period of time, when Johnny is playing and Johnny's on song, it's very hard to play against Ireland because there's there's uh, he puts a, a sense of comfort on a team. Yeah. Without him, we're not quite the same. So um, you know, it's uh, you know you can't make these calls this far out from, from yeah. the Six Nations. No, fair enough. Uh, they're obviously also on the same side, the same half of the draw as England. So I'm sure there was a lot of attraction from Gatland to uh, come in and see if he can work some magic quickly. The the uh, Heineken Champions Cup comes back this weekend. Uh, big game for Munster, big game for Leinster. Um, there's obviously a lot of uh, uh, storylines from the, the Leinster Racing game. I do want to get your thoughts on what success looks like for Munster in the Heineken Cup. It's such a weird format to the competition now. It's not the old-fashioned, straightforward, really easy-to-understand format that we've had for so many years, and I've, heaven knows why we changed it, but we are where we are. Uh what what does constitute success for Munster, given that there's been a slight uptick in performance and quality over the last three weeks? Well, if I just touch on the competition first, just beforehand, um, I spent quite a while looking, looking at this last night, and um, there isn't a huge amount of rhyme or reason to to having two pools and having different kind of groups playing against each other in, in different ways. Um and I have to say, and I just think it's, I think it's uncomfortable for me having European competition and having matches down in South Africa in the middle of summer. Um, I just, I don't know whether that's to do with too many flights or, um, you know, teams having to kind of pull and drag from different conditions all the time in the middle of a competition. It, for me, it, it just doesn't ring right. So I'm uncomfortable with that anyway. Right. So that's the first part to it. Um, the second part is for, for Munster. Munster can only look for performance. Um, if they set everything out as being a success as X number of wins, um, I, I don't think they're far enough in their journey. And I know people will say, God, they've been on a journey for such a long period of time. Yes, they have. And um, there's been... Um, Ups and downs in that in that time, most of the ups have been one-off victories, and the downs have been a sort of uh, a lack of trophy. Um, but uh, look, I think Munster started really slowly this year, and I think they would have liked to have won a couple of matches at the start and taken some of the pressure off, and they haven't, and it's put pressure on. 
There has been green shoots over the last period of time. The match against South Africa, some of the URC games, some of the victories. Um, it looks like they're trying to play a different style. Um, and we know that that takes a period of time. And so I, what I would be looking for is a high level of doggedness from, um, from Monster in Thoman Park, a, a performance to be proud of and to raise the crowd uh, and for the crowd to support them in, 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 in kind. Um, and see whether that gets to a victory. In times past, it has often got to a victory and it's been good enough. Um, I have to say Toulouse are, um, Toulouse are a fantastic sides. They're a consistently fantastic side. They had their downs a few years ago and they've come back and they've come back by, um, Yes, they have a, a large salary, and but they have invested a huge amount in youth. That's really paying off. Monster are on that path at the present moment in time, yeah. and which is gratifying to see, actually. So, look, I'm looking for a re-engagement again in Thoman Park. Um, uh, I thought last year there was a there was a sense of something fantastic in in the Aviva in that game that ended in a draw, that ended in a kickoff. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a re-engagement and it fell the following week. Well, uh-huh. it was almost too high a step. So, yeah. um, look, I think it's, you want to win your games at home, but this is an unbelievably big game for them to win. All right. Keith, we'll leave it there. Good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 